your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a hazy Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. Plug my headphones in, that'll help. Uh, I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Laura Gooden. She is on the Heritage Preservation Commission. If I say it slow, I won't trip over myself by saying it. And she's also a UW Lacrosse archivist. So you, you just, in my head, you're like Indiana Jones' sidekick, and you work in the basement and try to find, like, there's, it's dusty, there's files in there, spiders. Are you afraid of spiders? Or? Um, depends how pull, big they are. Pull that close. Oh, pull that close. Depends how big they are. <laughs> uh, but not too bad. It's not too bad of a description, actually. Well, what is an archivist? Like, what are you... So uh, we kind of just uh, specialize in preservation of um, important documents, like things that are important for the historical record. So when you think about like uh, old diaries and old letters, or you know, how do we know about the history of um, people in the community or people nationally, like George Washington? You know, somebody has to to save all those documents this, and records. And do pictures. those come to you some from different places? Like somebody found this somewhere? I don't know. Like in my basement or something like it's just ran- do do you get random things yeah all the time and so yeah i actually see more spiders going out to places to go get and collect oh. <laughs> documents and luckily than i do in our own facility i try to keep them at bay there um but yeah so if you're an, an archivist like me and you work for an institution um a lot of the documents will come from that institution itself and so i get things from people all over uwl's campus um sometimes it's a professor retiring who has a bunch of memorabilia or things about the the campus itself and sometimes it's things like um when the university builds a new building they like take out environmental impact statements and try to save those because in the future um People might be interested in those sort of things. And then um, also at UWL, we're affiliated with the Wisconsin Historical Society. And so we are what is known as um, an area research center. And we're one of 14 of those throughout the state. Um, And so we also preserve things um, for a five-county area, so La Crosse and the surrounding communities. And people bring us stuff all the time, old pictures, old documents. Um, You know, some of it, um, you know, we only have a limited amount of space, so we don't keep all of it. Um, but if it's something that we think that has historic value that people will be interested in the future, um, we do try to save it. Um, so it's, you can kind of have to be a little bit of a, a mind reader, like, well, oh, what are people in the future going to be interested in? This Kit Kat wrapper. A yeah. lot of people are interested in stuff like that. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk. So you're on the, obviously, I, like I said, it, you're on the Heritage Preservation Commission and wanted to talk about the top 10 endangered buildings list that you guys put out this year wanted to talk about the lincoln middle school controversy i guess we could call it a controversy but this stuff sounds way more interesting what is the 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 uwl stuff what is the maybe the most the the coolest thing that you got that that like you know wow i can't believe i'm you know i'm archiving this i don't even know what you do with this stuff like that yeah um well um to preserve it, you know, we usually place things in acid-free containers. Um, we keep things temperature controlled. Manila folder. That's all you do all day. <laughs> just ah, manila folder. Keep things away from light, that sort of stuff. Yeah, people often ask me, like, what's the number one thing I can do to preserve my old family photos so they last a long time in the future? Number one thing you can do is just keep them at um, a constant temperature and a constant humidity. Keep them out of the light. Don't put them in the basement, garage, attic. 
you know, try to find like maybe an interior closet somewhere where your plumbing's not very leaky um, and that sort of thing. So that's kind of what we do with the documents. So don't do what Clark Griswold did and put all his family videos in Christmas vacation in the attic. That's not a good spot for him. It's very bad, yeah, especially videos because magnetic media is the hardest thing to preserve. So cassette tapes and VHS tapes, um, those last the least amount of time. It's just musty up there and that's why? Or in the basement, it's musty in the basement? Yep, it's it's musty or it can be dry. Um, there could be bugs. Um, uh, the The temperature tends to fluctuate. It tends to be very cold in the winter and very hot in the summer. The best thing you could do with photos and videos is upload them to the cloud. I think, right? I mean, but you kind of want you want the physical thing. Yeah, sometimes. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a job because the physical thing is the whole point of that's that's your whole job, right? It's kind of a big debate in the archives world right now, like how much, you know, how good is digital preservation? Um, We used to, you know, rely on something called preservation by neglect. You know, people put their old photos under a bed or in a closet and forget about them for 100 years. But if you do that now and you have something like on a phone or an old computer, you know, I think about, I think back to like my first computer was like a Windows Millennium <laughs> computer. There's a bunch of photos on there that I oh, never, yeah. I never saved. Anywhere. There was a, there was an e-recycling thing in on Alaska a couple of weeks ago. And I had literally like a, a giant laptop that I had from 15 years ago that I don't have the plug for, haven't turned it on. There's no way. Like, I guess you could send it to somebody to get all the old photos and whatever off there. But I was like, it's gone, whatever. So, but yeah, but hi- yeah hiding than a- it was in the past now because like things are backed up to a cloud versus like, you know, in the old days, if you dropped your cell phone in a puddle, that's it. You know, those things are all lost. Yeah, so. at least they're like if Apple just goes out of business, then the, I- the iCloud might go away. But that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. But yeah, keeping stuff on a hard drive or something or a zip drive. And hiding that under your bed. I, I guess maybe on a zip drive would be safer than a, than some kind of laptop because at least then it's just on one, like you could plug that into any new laptop. Putting on an old laptop, like my dilemma, yeah. well, the thing's 15 years. Theoretically, but then you have to, those things you have to plug in every once in a while. They could go dead. They could yeah, get they corrupted. Could... And it gets really complicated because like, well, what um, file format are you saving it in? Like, uh, I had a professor come to me once, and he said his life's work was saved in WordPerfect files. <laughs> and he's like, I can't open these. Can you open these? And I'm like, what's a WordPerfect? Because I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> but we did figure out how to convert and save them, luckily. But um, some old file formats you just can't open anymore. And he did lose some of his work because the, the files got old and corrupted with all the transferring. Um, and that's just simple text documents. Um, you're ta- when you start talking about photos, like, I think about the first digital camera I had, the, the quality was crap. And it's like people think that saving stuff to, um, to Facebook, you know, is like a preservation machine. But Facebook reduces the, the quality of your right. photos. And so if you ever did want to print those out, um, you know, you might not be able to print them very big without them becoming all grainy. You avoided the question, though. Have you ever had anything, like, really cool that you've had to... I like I just I just go to Holy Grail right away but like any like that's worth talking about yeah oh we have so many neat things it'd be hard to pick um like one surprising thing we have is we have a a book our oldest book is like oh goodness I'm gonna it's like from oh 1520 I think um and you know you think about it Wisconsin became a state in 1848 and yeah and, you know, so there wasn't any, you know, people of European descent here, uh, but somehow a book from the early 1500s. Well, what is the book? Its, way. Um, it's in Latin, which I don't read, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, it's some kind of religious text as far as we yeah. can tell. 
But it's it's really cool because it's it's kind of like you know remember Game of Thrones and they're in the library and the, the books are all chained to the to the shelves because they're so valuable. You can mm-hmm. tell like this book was that kind of book where oh, wow. where it was probably chained to a, a a bookshelf and it's like leather and it has these clasps and the paper is really nice quality. It's not like um, paperbacks you get today where you're reading you're halfway through reading them and they're already falling apart and becoming unglued. And now where where is the book now? Um, so that that's in our stacks in, in Murphy Library in the Special Collections and Area Research Center. Can people Anybody, look at it? Yep. And, okay. you know, like people often ask me, like, what's the difference between an archives and a museum? Um, if someone comes in and asks me for that book, I'm going to hand it to them, and they can hold it in their hands and touch it. And I mean, you, I'll ask them to be... Do you put gloves gentle. on or anything, like rubber gloves or anything like it that? It depends on what it is. And this, sure. is, this is another big debate in the archives world is when are gloves most appropriate? Because um, for books, like the oils on your hands are bad for them. But it also reduces your tactility, and so when you're turning the pages, you might tear them. I still lick the glove. Yeah. Is that okay? No. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, 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 be, I'd kindly ask you not to It's do that. weird that somebody <laughs> – okay, but do you have to observe them when they're looking at something like the 1500s book? You just sit there and watch and – okay. Yep, we do. Yep, we have a reading room. Um, I was thinking like yep. library. I'm going to check it out and take it home for two weeks. Yep, and then that's the other question. What's the difference between an archives and a library? You can't yeah. check anything out. But yeah. we do have a very lovely reading room. Uh, we have a nice window. We try to fight that – dark dingy dusty um you know stereotype with the the, yeah yeah, the stereotype it is a bit dusty in there i hate to admit it but it's true all right we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna talk about the top 10 most endangered buildings in lacrosse with laura gooden from the heritage preservation commission All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you want to shoot me a text, you got a question about uh, stuff that Laura Gooden's gotten her hands on in the archives at UW Lacrosse or uh, the Heritage Preservation Commission in the top 10 list of endangered buildings in Lacrosse. This is the third year of that list, right, Laura? Yep, that's right. And this is the gimmick, right, to get people to, to care about endangered buildings in lacrosse it's great because people love lists i try to do lists all the time um i didn't see the endangered buildings list on ranker.com where it just ranks everything but uh maybe get it on there and then it'll go worldwide but the the top 10 endangered buildings list you can find that on the city's uh website just i think if you just just literally google top 10 endangered buildings put wisdom in front of it we have the list on our on our website but um I don't know. Can you just talk about like the decision to create that list? Were you on the preservation? How long have you been on the preservation commission? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, like twenty nineteen, maybe. Okay, so yeah. right around probably right around the time the list. Yeah. Well, I guess the list is only three years old, so right before that. Right. Yeah, but it had been a brainchild for a while. Um, I know it wasn't my idea or anything. Um, some council people had been, you know, kind of kicking around the ideas, like. Works for David Letterman, you know, works yeah. for BuzzFeed, yeah. And, yeah, and um, the National Trust for Historic um, Places every year does a list of, um, of, of endangered places, and then so does the Wisconsin Trust for Historic Places. And so they actually encourage local communities to undertake similar lists because it does do a great job of getting people in the community to pay attention. Um, the last thing that anybody on the Heritage Preservation Commission wants is to a building to get torn down and the community to go, oh, well, that's awful. That got torn down. I'm so sad that we didn't know about that. Like, word didn't get out, and right. you know, no one said anything until it was too late. So, in the three years, the list has been out there, and you've updated a little bit. I mean, a lot of the buildings are still there, so you don't update the list a lot. But two of those buildings on the first year's list got torn down: Club Toucan and the Marble Works-ish. I yeah. remember 
Yeah, Everybody it was a building that was yeah, I was right by the the two bridges. Yeah, every day I go to work, I I go, "Oh, there's the big open lot where that building was and nobody has bought that big open lot and we could have just kept the building there like, right? That, yeah. Um, but those two buildings got torn down and and the 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 Club Toucan one was kind of it was almost controversial, right? Cuz they kind of let it get to a point where you needed to tear it down or where like authorities said, "Hey, you have to tear this down." Um, Marble Works, why was that one torn down? Just because it would sell easier and you guys didn't save it in time? Is it your fault? Yeah. Um, <laughs> may- yes, maybe. I mean, sort of. Y'all did, a, y- y'all did a, like a news conference right there in front of that building, too. Yeah, so, you know, um, you know, private ownership, you know, people can mostly do whatever they want with their, their buildings within reason, um, even if it's, you know, a, a, you know, a registered place on the state and local or, or sorry, in the state and national register of historic places, um, people can still tear those down. Actually, our local ordinance has more teeth than the state and federal one, and that people, if they want to tear down something that has been locally designated, they have to go um, in front of the Heritage Preservation Commission for approval, and we can deny them to be able to tear it down, but they, they can also appeal that to the city council. When they do that, do they give you a list of reasons like this is why we need to tear? Is that kind of how that goes? We're going to give you reasons why we need to tear it down. Please, please, please. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, there's economic hardship, or they could say you know uh, that it would bring economic you know stability to the community, or that you know the the thing that people usually use is too expensive to fix. Um, now, does a does a building have to be on the landmark status? For them to have to come to you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and or, or in a district. So there are some several like historic districts like the 10th and um, Cass, you know. Okay, just in general. Yeah. Um, but, has uh, that happened lately or even in the past couple of years where somebody has, said, has come to you and said, we want to tear this down? Um, not for an entire building. Um, sometimes like people are in like a historic district and they want to tear down like an old garage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll come and ask because... Um, and, you know, they'll explain like, oh, well, you know, the house, yeah, of course, is historic, but this garage was just put up in, you know, the 1950s. It's not historic. And we actually want to build like a carriage house that will actually uh, be closer to what was originally there. Sure. And so that's a very compelling argument right there. Um, yeah, so, I mean, um, yeah, when it, comes, when it comes to tearing down things, yeah, if it's not, but if it's not listed, then, yeah, people can, can kind of can do what they want. Um, and we could take take measures to try try to save things, um, but in the end, there's only so much that can be done. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to the Lincoln Middle School kind of debate uh, at the bottom half of the show because that's a 100 year old building. You guys gave it landmark status, and then the school district went, "Wait, what?" But this uh, this dilemma is not all that dissimilar from the fire station a couple years ago the, on Gillette Street. That fire station, uh, well, you know, the plans kind of came to light that they were going to tear it down. And it seemed like those plans were known to some that it was going to get teared down, torn down. But once it became like a, a media story, then you guys came in and said, wait, we we shouldn't be tearing this fire station down, right? Yeah, and I think in both the case of Lincoln and the fire station, um, people are kind of shocked because they're beautiful buildings that are um, integral parts of the neighborhood and, and have been there for many years. And they were lovely buildings. Uh, both are lovely buildings. And I think people are like, oh, well, we just didn't think that tearing them down would be part of the plan. Like, people knew they are going to close Lincoln, and people knew they are going to build a new fire station. But when the, the plans for a new fire station originally came out, um, they were looking at purchasing land and building something somewhere else. And so people are like, 
oh, well, of course they're going to reuse that building or readapt it or, yeah. you know, put it on the market. They're not going to tear it down. Um, and so I think when, when people found out that those were options for both Lincoln and the fire station, they were kind of shocked. And, um, and, and it's not the Heritage Preservation Commission that nominates things or decides what should be historic. It's the citizens of La Crosse. And so the Preservation Alliance of La Crosse um, is the group that nominated the fire station. And Lincoln Middle School was actually nominated by the Washburn Neighborhood Association. And so why I sympathize with the La Crosse School District and um, their concerns about the timing, um, you know, the timing is really up to the person or people that are nominating the building. So you're passing the buck here. It's not our fault. It's these other, this alliance. It's their fault that they wanted to... The building, and we should make. I'll, I'll make a point that Lincoln is not getting torn down at this point. At anyway, this point. Um, it's just being the school district's trying to sell the building because they they voted a couple months ago to close it as a school. So now, like, what are you going to do with it? You don't want to. The whole point of the district trying to get rid of the buildings is they have too many buildings. Yeah. Um, any other school buildings? There's one other school building that's a hundred years old, right? The the Hogan Administration Center. Oh um, yeah, and the school district wants to get rid of that building too. Yep, Do we need to landmark that one quick before they put it up for sale, and then we won't have this controversy? I, I'm I'm hoping that someone will nominate the right. Somebody nominate else has to do it. Yeah. It's on our endangered list, and so that's part of the reason we put out these lists and hope that people are like, oh wait, you know that building might be endangered. Oh, maybe someone should nominate it for landmark There's, status just to give it a little bit more security. It's a top 10 list, so there's 10 buildings. Sometimes there's 11 buildings. You kind of lump two together just to get another. We, fi- we find ways to get, get a few more on there. Are all, like, I'm just picking your brain here, and maybe you won't know off the top of your head, aside from Lincoln, well, Lincoln is now, Hogan isn't a landmark building, right? No, are the, not that I, not yet, no. Are the other, are all the other buildings landmark? Um. Oh, gosh, I don't think any of them are, actually. Okay, so that Lincoln. would be. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so our top 10 endangered buildings list are really, really... In- is that why yeah. they're endangered? Because they're not landmarked? If they were landmarked, would they not be on the list? Um, I think that, that definitely um, kind of lowers their... the yeah, Lowers the... Um, threshold uh, for yeah, them to get torn down. Not, you know, but we, uh, the casino was landmarked, um, but because of the fire and what happened to it... Um, and. And that was that's just an unfortunate, bad situation. But that went on the list. But yeah, luckily, casino, we were able to remove that one. Yeah, Casino Bar on Pearl Street, big, huge fire uh, a couple years ago. I remember sitting out there and, and just watching it go. Um, and the it, was it on the endangered list before the fire? No. Or did we even have an endangered list? I can't even remember. Yes, we did. But then you put it on the list because it was A, it, it was going to be hard to renovate or re, reconstruct a little bit. And, and then therefore it, there was an excuse here to tear it down, right? It would be a hardship on the owner, but they would, you, did you guys help them kind of go ahead with renovations or find ways to help renovate it? Uh, we didn't, but I think the city planning office had been working with the owner um, and dealing with the insurance and uh, like, you know, and seeing what's available for like, as far as tax credits for historic renovation and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I know that was an ongoing process and we have some great people in our city planning department that were that, yeah, really put in extra effort to make sure that, 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 that building had a positive outcome because it, it's a, that's a very unique building that we're lucky to have. And so I'm really happy. I, you know, um, drove by and the, you know, the signs being, yeah, I think the sign and, went up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And part of the reason it went on the endangered list is because for a while nothing was happening. It was just real quiet. And so nobody knew. And well, you so get you we get became, a little PTSD from the yeah. Club Toucan situation. If you let something go for too long, then the, then the fire department or building inspectors come and say, now you have to get rid of it, right? Right, yeah. And the whole point of the list is to be more proactive 
and to hopefully get to things before they get to a point um, where it's really hard to save them or really expensive um, because the club toucan was very preventable you know there was holes in the you know building holes in the roof it was leaking and allowed pigeons in but if someone had just fixed the roof when it needed to be fixed then those yeah. things wouldn't have been an issue casino bar land, landmark status I th- does it I'm have pretty it sure yeah and i think it's also in the downtown historic district oh, okay so but it's double it protected yeah, yeah well <laughs> it's the same amount the same but amount it's, of protection but maybe double prestige we're gonna take a break we'll be back All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Laura Gooden's hanging out this hour. She is on the Heritage Preservation Commission. I got to slow. Got to say it slow because you just trip all over yourself when you say it, Laura. Um, and she's also a UW Lacrosse archivist, and we talked about that at the beginning of the show. Probably should just have you on to talk about that the whole time, all the the weird, cool things that you see going going through the archives at UW Lacrosse. Um, but but we, we've kind of uh, we've teased it long enough. The Lincoln Middle School, you guys gave it. If I'm if I'm saying it wrong, but you guys gave it landmark status. What a week ago or two weeks ago? Yep, the Washburn Neighborhood Association um, filled out a nomination paper for Lincoln Middle School just um, as a preemptive, you know, uh, measure to protect it because they felt it's very important to the neighborhood. And then we approved um, their application. It was well done, well researched, um, and, and they made great points, and it met the criteria. And so, um, and as commissioners, you know, um, when it comes to that sort of thing, they fill out the paperwork, and if it meets the criteria set forth, like, um, you know, it's not even really up to our personal opinion or feelings at that point um, that they did everything that needed to be done. But I can say personally, I'm very happy because I think it is a great building. I think it's very worthy. Um, and and the there were a handful of people came and spoke at the at the meeting from the neighborhood, and it was clear to see how important the building was as part of the of the fabric of the neighborhood, the history of the neighborhood, and how important it is to people there. Um, and and so yeah, we in, uh, unanimously approved their application. Now, when the when the school superintendent during a, a meeting last week says it is a deep injustice to property owners to place their property on the local register of historic places after the property has gone up for sale. But that's, but it's the, the neighborhood nominated it. And then you're just looking at that. Do you take into account like, Oh, they're trying to sell this building. We should delay that process before or after it's sold. Can, or do you just look at the building and I, I don't know, is there any thought to that? Yeah, the statute as written doesn't have that as a consideration. Um, and so I don't, I, I'd assume that legally we're probably not even allowed to take that into consideration. Um, and honestly, you know, if it is going to be nominated, I think it'd probably be better for a buyer to know going in. Um, and also, I think that this is actually a good opportunity for a buyer. And actually, it's an, an asset that, that the Neighborhood Association did all this work and and, you know, because a lot of work to fill out the application and to, to research the history and to take the photos and make sure all the paperwork's filled out um, because that uh, this building is um, eligible for both the state and National Register of Historic Places. And so a lot of that um, background work has been done. And so if someone did want to come in and purchase this building, um, it'd be a lot easier to, to finish finish the nomination process for the state and national register and that makes the building eligible for local tax or for, sorry that makes the building eligible for uh, historic tax credits 
Um, and a lot of really awesome projects have been done throughout the community thanks to um, historic tax credits. You know, you look at the Sherman Hotel. Um, you look at what happened with Roosevelt, the Roosevelt School being turned into apartments, um, the, the old Alice Chalmers building that's apartments. Like, I think it's called, they, they call it the Landmark or some, something like that. But those are really neat apartments. Um, and, and like the Holy Trinity School, um, they're using historic tracks tax credits to restore that building. So what you're saying is the district should raise the price. Whatever they're asking, now it's, now it's landmark. Add another 10000 I think so. I think that um, the fact that um, that this work has been done and it's already on its way um, to, be, to being nominated makes it a more attractive purchase. And the Neighborhood Association did everything they can to make it the most um, attractive to a buyer. Like They only designated the original part of the building, which honestly is the best part of the building, it's it's well constructed, you know that, that quality that type of quality uh, construction just isn't possible today. Like if you ask even a, a construction company, like how long would you project a new construction building would last? And they'll you know 50, 70 years, and that's their lifespan. Where this building is already a hundred years old and could probably go for another hundred or who knows because it's. Uh, the, qual- the, the quality is just not possible by today's construction standards. Now, the school district said this week uh, at, at the board meeting, school board meeting on Monday, that they're going to try to appeal this process. Do you know how that works? Yep. Um, and so if they disagree with our decision, um, they can go before the city council, um, and the city council can override us. Um, but I think that there are some parameters, like, um, it, you know, and, and it has to do, you know, if the, if the nomination is complete and if there's something wrong with it, um, it's probably what they're supposed to follow. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of leeway. So who knows what will happen? 608-785-7914. Um, have you ever had to experience, you've been on the, the Preservation Commission since 2019-ish, you think. Um, ha- has there been any appeals to historic landmark status buildings in the past? Not while I've been there. Okay. Um, but, I'm sure there has in the yeah. history of the Ever, but like I, not while you've been there. Okay. Yeah, I so think I think the building that had the War Eagle mural on it, it was like Schubert Meat Market that was across from uh, Clayson. I'm pr- pretty sure that that one um, got overturned, and then they're allowed to tear that one down. I was going to say I don't remember that building's gone, right? Yep. That building was weird. Yeah, it was <laughs> a very long building because like the that meat market was very successful, and so they kept adding, you know, adding some, you know, any more space they add on the back. Um, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. So the the the, prayer, the Heritage Preservation Commission has a top ten endangered list, and Lincoln Middle School was on your list this year, and it wasn't it wasn't on your list before, right? This is one of the new additions to the top ten endangered list. Uh, why did you put Lincoln on it? Because because you knew it was closing, and and all everything that we're experiencing now. Yeah, and so yeah, we were aware the building was closing, and we wasn't we weren't super worried about it at first, even with the with the school closing. Uh, but more and more things kept coming out um, from the school district, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, playing down the value of the building um, in, in the in the media and the public eye. And so we kind of wanted to, to raise awareness about the good things about the building. Um, I mean, one of the reasons the school district decided to close it is because it is an older building and they feel like it had higher maintenance costs. But um, they talked about closing Lincoln in the, like, early 80s and the community didn't want that and they ended up not doing that and instead they went through the entire building and redid you know redid all the mechanicals and so like the things that you think about as um, 
detriments of an old building, like old plumbing, old electrical, you know, um, bricks that need, need to be tuck-pointed or asbestos, all that was taken care of from 1983 to 1988 and redone. And so the, the asbestos has already been removed from that building. You know, the, the lacrosse taxpayers paid for that, that work to be done. And, you know, even though the 80s isn't like brand new electrical or brand new plumbing, like that sh- should be still decent plumbing. It's not like, you know, electrical well, from the getting, 1920s, you know. getting asbestos out of a building is, is a huge expensive. ordeal. Um, yeah, but, you know, like what, fi- that was 50 years ago. You know, like you think the 1980s. I was just a kid. Oh wait, it wasn't 50 I, years ago. I was born in the 80s. It was only it was less 40, than 40. 40 years ago. My bad. bad I am man. not 40 yet. So, um, so yeah, and doing that, but the that all that all helps them their ability to sell because their dilemma now is they have too many buildings, so they have right. to pick one of their 15 buildings because they want to get down to 12. So th- they have every. I think they have every reason to want to sell it, but right. like it's just that they don't want the landmark status. But you're saying like, ah, eh, that might be actually better. Yeah. You guys might want the landmark status to sell this building. The only thing the landmark status does is what? It, it, you can't tear it down, obviously. Without permission. You know, so okay, if someone but, wanted to tear it down, they'd have to come before the Heritage Preservation Commission to ask. And then we could deny them. But if they disagreed with our decision, then they could go before the city council, and then the city council could say, yes, you can tear it down, or no, you can't. Um, and so it's not impossible to, yeah. to demolish something once it's been on there. But really, our, the whole impetus for, for putting this on there is because, you know, like... But the building's not getting demolished. Some, no, nobody's not, buying well, Lincoln, not that we know of, yes. Nobody's buying Lincoln Middle School to demolish it, I right. wouldn't think. But maybe, I guess we don't know, but that the idea that somebody would demolish it is, is a little out there. So, yeah. Um, I but mean, if, we take, if we take that off the table, then what you're saying is historic landmark status is going to be better for a buyer than worse. Yeah, and so this is, you know, I know I, I'm sympathetic to the school district. I know that enrollment's declining and they have to, you know, take take measures. But um, but we were really just wanting to get the word out to the public, hey, if someone does want this building, there's a lot of great things about it because those things just weren't being reported in the 80s. Like, people probably don't know that the asbestos has been removed for it, that all the exterior walls have been retuck pointed at some point. And so there, there's a lot of uh, maintenance and work that's been done. So it's not in horrible shape or anything. And, and not only that, um, but because it is so historic and because um, it was designed by a very local, a very prominent local architect um, and very beautiful design that it's, it's eligible for the National Register of Historic Places. And, you know, and do, you those, know those, this, do you know who this architect is? Yep, Otto Merman is the name of the architect. Okay. Um, and he, he did I a thought lot of, maybe you forgot, and you were like, oh. this, uh, this architect guy, he's pretty local. <laughs> Sometimes no, I do job. forget. No, Sometimes I do forget. I, I, I luckily passed that quiz, <laughs> but I can't guarantee the next one's in the future. Um, but a lot of his buildings um, have been um, designated and nominated around the, the community, and so his value is known. He's not an unknown entity. And so that also makes it easier um, to get that historic um, status. And those tax credits, you can get, you know, 20% back from the state and like 25% back from the federal government, depending on what eligibility, um, you know, you meet like that, you know, that, that gets more complicated. But like just knowing that those things are potentially possible, that maybe, you know, you could get these things um, makes it a lot more economically feasible for someone to fix up. What are, what are the downfalls to having historic? I can't uh, tear out the floors or something like that and redo the flooring or something. 
most of it most of it has to do with the exterior of the building. So, um, like, you have to kind of keep the exterior look. Mm-hmm. But you can still renovate and change things. So, like, the Roosevelt School, um, they changed that to apartments, and that still is a nationally registered historic place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not or, uh, eligible for tax credits, which they did get. Um, and so um, they try to, you know, work, you know, work with um, owners because they know that um, – that to you know keep these buildings valuable and as assets, they have to be repurposed into some you know something, um, because you know chances are you know people aren't going to want to use it for a school and you know how many people are opening up their own. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. Now we've been talking about well, we didn't really even break down the top ten most endangered buildings list that the Heritage Preservation Commission has. Um, but you could check out the list. But I want to do the top ten least endangered buildings. And in my head, it, we we had when I told you I wanted to do this, we had two different thoughts. And, and mine was like, like McDonald's on Copeland, like get rid of that or whatever. Um, but you do actually have like a I don't know if it's a top ten list, but um, but you mentioned this when we were talking during the break. Is is Kmart historic? Can we make what? What if that neighborhood said like, no, we want the Kmart to be a historic landmark? Seems like it's kind of old, but not like hundred years old. Yeah, usually the threshold <laughs> is about fifty years, which I think it's right around there. then. I mean, if you're really into that uh, mid-century department store design, you can make an argument. I mean, um, two it'd be sum- a lot harder. Two summers ago, they they had told me on the show that they were going to tear it down in that that summer, and it never happened. And mm-hmm. here it sits. I mean. Man, what wouldn't it be funny if it was at like year forty nine, and next year it's going to hit year fifty, and then that neighborhood could save Kmart? That would be a weird. What kind of dystopian world are we living in when we're saving Kmart? Yeah, but you but you go past like old buildings all the time, and you see them being repurposed. I know, like the U Haul was thinking about repurposing it, and had repurposed several old Kmart's, and I've driven through other areas and seen old Kmarts that are now U-Haul, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that used to be a Kmart. Or sometimes I've seen an old Pizza Hut once, and I think someone made it a house, and it still had that distinctive red roof, and it was very weird. But um, Well, wait till you walk in and you just you smell. You're like, oh, yes, there's the, I can smell the pizza. If there was a Pac-Man machine, it might make it worth <laughs> right. it. If they saved the Pac-Man save machine. the Pac-Man machine. Yeah, that's my favorite part about Pizza Hut. That and the, the Book It Club and your free pizza. All right, so what buildings that – now, in your head, these are, like, historic buildings in lacrosse that are not coming down. Like, there's no way they're endangered. They're probably never going to be endangered. So you have, like, a top five list of that? Yeah, so that's how I interpreted that question is least endangered building. So you take a great uh, – was something that was already a great historic building. This would be, like, lacrosse's top ten buildings list, right? Like, you're yeah. just – these are the be- the most historic buildings – in lacrosse. Yeah, one of the first ones that came to mind was the Shermont because I really loved that building to begin with. And now that it's been fixed up and turned into a hotel and restored, and they even put the old water tower on on the top of it. And you can it's drink marvelous. up there. Yeah. You drink on the roof. So. I, I, do, I do enjoy drinking on roofs and outside. <laughs> so that's a definitely a big plus in eating. So I say, like, that is a great building. And, I, you know, anybody who'd want to tear that down, I, I couldn't even imagine any reason anybody. What makes the Charmant so unique as a building? Um, is it just it's old? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's got to be more than that. Yeah. And it's, just, I don't know, it's just, I, to me, it's architecturally pleasing. But, and it's also unique. You know, you don't, you know, you don't see a building like that in a lot of, uh, a lot of communities. Um, it's got some really cool arches, you know. Um, it had an addition added on it, but it was well done, and it blended in rel- really well into the building. And um, and there's a lot of neat history that goes along with that. Um, 
it just serves as a standing reminder of like a lot of the things that used to be manufactured in lacrosse like there was several chocolate and cracker candy companies um, and they distributed not only nationally but some of them even internationally and that 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 building's like a, a standing testament to that history um, see now we know why it's number one on your list because it used to make chocolate used to make chocolate <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> okay number two um I, the, the 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 church um, by the, it's owned by the um, Franciscans uh, Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, uh, the Lady of Sorrows Church, like that. Again, beautiful building. It's something you don't see in a lot of communities. Like I don't know, um, a lot of times because we we're such a car culture, we don't look up a lot. But uh, I I encourage people next time you're in that area especially if it's kind of a sunny day, to look up at the roof because when the light catches it just right, there's a really cool pattern in there, and it's like it's almost like a green gold, and it, it'll glimmer in certain lights. Um, and so that just makes it just, I don't know, I just think that's a huge wow factor. And if you haven't taken a tour of the inside, I'd uh, highly recommend that too because if you think that the outside's great, check out the inside. Um, and they've just done a great job of... Um, preserving that church and maintaining it over the years. You can tell it was well-loved and very important. Laura Gooden uh, on the show with us, also telling us why she's on the Heritage Preservation Commission. (laughs) I'm a building nerd. Yeah, I could talk about buildings. And you say people don't look up while they're driving. I mean, they're looking down at their phones right now, so they're not even looking I was hoping at the road, but there's also the problem, the windshield, you know, like the windshield kind of cuts us off. So you need to pull over and and check that building. All right. Yeah, go for a walk, hopefully. Don't don't look in your car. We got got two minutes. What's number three? Oh, um, man, there's so many I could name. Um, I don't think you're going to offend a building. Yeah. um, Get a nasty letter. But, yeah, I, I... if we want to talk okay, about just, a, just a newer them. one. Um, just, just listen. Oh, what do you got? You got I a like, list? You're looking yeah, at like Hickson House, Freight House, the Martindale House on 10th and Cass, the yellow one with the cupola, um, the Trust Point building, which is right next to the Shermont. Um, a new one is the Rivoli. The Rivoli has new owners, and they are very um, historically uh, – I guess um, are uh, savvy. Savvy, yeah. Are they yeah, they like. They yeah. want to preserve. Yeah, it. they really think the history is cool, and and they'll still and play Spider Man in there. Yeah. The new Spider Man. Yeah, it's like two bucks on a Tuesday. All the cool. I think they played the Princess Bride the other day, and all the all the cool. So it's all sorts of nostalgia dating all the way back from. What the, about the other theater and, in Lacrosse? That one's always trying to get renovated, and is that a historic building? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, it's very art You don't deco. love it. She rolled it. Nope, nice nope. I, 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 lo- I do like the building, but it's, oh, some, ba- some very bad things happen to it, including, you know, leakage and water and mold. And that's exactly why we're trying to get these lists and stuff out there is because we're hoping to get to these buildings before they get to that point because that building has an uphill battle just because it's, yeah, what's, you know, all the unfortunate things that have happened to it over the years. Um, and yeah, luckily a lot of the buildings that are on my list of least endangered places, um, someone stepped in before, you know, they were too deteriorated and, yeah, and save them. Yep. And when they still had a lot of original features left to save. That's Laura Gooden. She's a UW lacrosse archivist and she's a member of the Heritage Preservation Commission. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, no problem.